This episode is brought to you by the Christian Culture Builders Group on Facebook and MeWe. Believers in Jesus optimistically working to create great commission hubs for the propagation of the gospel, the furthering of Christ's kingdom, and the emergence of robust, fruitful Christian culture. We work through the three spheres of authority, the family, the church, and the state, and the pillars of influence in society to make it happen. Check out the Christian Culture Builders Group on Facebook or MeWe today. Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective, with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. Welcome back to another episode of the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Right off the bat, I want to say thank you for watching. If you're listening later on via the podcast, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate you guys for taking the time out of your day or your night or your commute and um, spending it with us. And and hopefully we're going to offer some great content for you. We've been trying to put out more content. Like if you watched last night, uh, I had a video in which I analyzed one of the encounters that Jesus had with the Sadducees and talked about how Jesus engaged in presuppositional apologetics. If you don't know what that is, go check out that video. Um, It should be the one right before this one in our YouTube feed, but do that after you watch or listen to this, because this is going to be one you are absolutely not going to want to miss. So real quick, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, give us a like and make sure you hit that bell when you subscribe so that you don't miss a moment. And if you're watching on Facebook, or like I said, listening later via the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. So here's a question for you. What do you do when making disciples is hard? I mean, you can't just give up, can you? After all, making disciples is literally what the Lord Jesus commanded us and commissioned us to do as recorded in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the passage we call the Great Commission. We talk about it all the time on this program. This is what we're talking about today in today's episode of the Think Podcast. So when society becomes divided, when the culture becomes divisive or the civil government becomes oppressive, what happens? What do you do? Do you throw in the towel? Do you wait for things to get easier? Or do you get smarter? Do you innovate? Do you invent new ways to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? My friends, this episode is going to not only make the case for doing so, but it's going to open your eyes to a whole new way of thinking about how to make disciples. When I first heard the story of what we're going to talk about today, it blew my mind. And I think it's going to blow yours. And I think it's going to encourage you and inspire you to make some bold moves for the Lord Jesus Christ, even in places where it is extraordinarily challenging to do so. So you're going to hear from a Christian evangelist, a pastor, a missionary, uh, ministry director and missionary who has decades of experience in making disciples in hard places. He also happens to be my boss. Um, I know I, I had uh, one of my other bosses on. I had Gabor Grace on to talk about Marxism. And today I've got my other boss on, Dave Robinson. So without any other further ado, let's go ahead and welcome him to the program. Dave Robinson. How are you? Great to be with you, Joel. Love seeing you do your thing. It's great. 
Uh, well, it is my pleasure, and thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I told you backstage, this is really something that I've been looking forward to. It's uh, a conversation I've been looking forward to having. So, Well, it's an honor to be with you. And thanks for investing uh, the way you do in the Think Institute. It's a wonderful ministry. Well, um, you know, this has been one of those things that uh, when I first came on. So if you guys don't know, if you're listening, watching, and you don't know, the Think Institute is under the umbrella of crew church movements. And church movements, uh, Dave, how would you describe church movements and, and what we do? Yeah. Church movements is a ministry of crew. Crew is formerly known in the U.S. as Campus Crusade for Christ. It's a ministry that Joel and I and a few others are, are in. Uh, church movements, our mission really is to partner, to make Jesus known in a saturation kind of way with other partners in the body of Christ in city after city. So partnering to make Jesus known, multiply the church and serve the city. We go after three audiences. We want to come alongside the lost on their spiritual journey and connect them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, lead them to Christ. We want to come alongside the everyday follower of Jesus to help them normalize effective uh, evangelism and uh, making disciples, the Great Commission, where they live, work, run, and play. And then the, the third audience is the leader. We want to come alongside the pastor, the missional leader, the church planter to increase their confidence and capacity to multiply. One of the one of my formative memories, and it hasn't been that long since we've been a part of church movements, but when we first joined uh, in 2019 in the spring, you invited me to come down to Kansas City, and um, we were down there. We were at your house and uh, hanging out, I think, on the the back porch, and you were telling me the story of something called Youth at the Threshold of Life, and it. It was such a compelling story, and it involved um, it, it involved working through governments, working through uh, societal leaders and uh, power players in and throughout Eastern Europe. And um, it was so compelling that I knew that if I was going to have you on today, we were going to have to talk about that because I thought um, this could really be something that would be inspiring and encouraging and might even offer some real practical guidance for believers who are like, man, I want to fulfill the Great Commission. I want to make disciples, but I'm looking around and I'm seeing things getting more divisive and, and contentious in our society. And I'm not really sure how to function because I've been used to functioning a certain way in a society that's a lot more open to the gospel. So um, if it's all right with you, I want to pick your brain about your story. And maybe we could just start with your background and, and how did you get into ministry? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family. I um, was raised in Oklahoma city and Minneapolis, Minnesota, but in 1974, I was 17 years old. That makes me almost 64 or makes me 64 in case you're wondering. Uh, in my high school and latter junior high middle school years, I turned away from Christ. Um, but in 74, I was led to Christ um, by my father and my praying mother. But my father led me to Christ on the way home from the police station where I was arrested for possession of marijuana. I felt terrible about it. I lied and my dad showed me grace uh, 
led me to Christ. And I have one of those stories where um, that some can't maybe relate to. I've learned that over time that I changed overnight. I I loved Jesus and was loving the Word of God. I was introduced to the heart of Jesus through the Gospel of John, uh, and I started telling my friends about Christ. So from the you know the winter spring of seventy four, my senior year in high school, as I was preparing to go to the University of Oklahoma, I uh, going south. I I was growing in my in my Christian faith while I was at OU. I joined a social fraternity. Talk about a hard place to, to make disciples. Uh, that was my first introduction to living in a house to do that. But it was a great privilege, and I have great friends and brothers from from that those days. But uh, I was discipled by a guy named Bob Lynn, who uh, had a uh, he was very different from me, but he had a, a a real strong gift in encouraging me to read, 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 and he would always shove into my my hands, uh, stories from Eastern Europe, the Ukraine, Russia, and evangelism to communist lands, which is a precursor to um, uh, Voice of the Martyrs now. It used to be called Evangelism to Communist Lands. I, I read everything he gave me, from Georgie Vins to that magazine to Richard Wormbrand, Torture for Christ. And for some reason, while I was selling sporting goods, going classes, playing soccer for the University of Oklahoma. Uh, I couldn't get off my mind the suffering church behind the Iron Curtain. And over time, the Lord was putting that na- those nations on the Eastern Bloc and communist countries on my mind to, to call me there. In 1977, I went on a summer mission uh, with, with uh, crew. And I met my wife, Karen Lou Sweeney at the time. Karen and I fell in love and she had a similar calling, kind of not a geographical calling, but a calling to be a missionary. And uh, that was an easy blending of our callings. Uh, we, we began to apply for where we could go, either with the Southern Baptists or in anybody. But crew actually had people planted behind the Iron Curtain. And not just Bible runners from London or Vienna or Condren, West Germany, but we, they actually put people behind the crew. And that's what we, that's why we chose crew. Uh, they accepted us. And there were two men, Bob, uh, Bud Hinkson and, uh, and Dave English and, and then Mike Uno as well, who really influenced our calling. And so that's what the Lord did. He used people, books, the word of God, my changed life showed me what my spiritual gifting was, which was evangelism, disciple-making, kind of that apostolic sending yeah. kind of thing. And uh, I don't regret it. It was 43 years ago, and I'd mm. go back and do it all over again. Wow. So what what actually led you then? So so you're, you're learning from these different mentors in your life and and uh, co-laborers fellow believers um you meet karen she's got a desire to be a missionary which how cool is that uh neither one of you had to persuade the other you you both it sounds like really had that calling but then what was the um the linchpin or or you know the the final straw that actually brought you to eastern europe and when you went there dave how ambitious were your plans what did you actually hope to accomplish 
really big question. So the linchpin was, uh, so Karen and I came on staff with crew and we went into the campus ministry in the U.S. and needed to get our feet wet and to decide which country would we would go to. And so we had Bud and Dave English kind of mentoring us. This is what's true in Albania. This is what's true in Romania. This is what's mm-hmm. true in Russia. And, you know, just going along and we decided we're going to go on a summer project on our third year on staff with crew. We went to Poland and it was a phenomenal experience. Learned you know, atheistic apologetics, historical and philosophical apologetics, mm. learned how to understand the the heart and the soul and the history of at least that part of Eastern Europe. But after we came back, we were discouraged because we met so many religious people there. It's a Catholic nation. Mm. that we thought, you know, this is not this is not the place he wants us to go. And so over time, we we still had our calling. We knew we were going to go. It just wasn't going to be to Poland. And so we investigated all kinds of things. And then in the in February of 1985, God gave a, a vision, I call it. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a, a gleaming light in my bedroom. I didn't pop a halo or, you know, all of a sudden get angel's wings. But um, but I I it was an idea to send to Eastern Europe. Crew latched onto it as a part of a new ministry called Worldwide Student Network. We called it the partnering vision where Areas of the country, I was area director for Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska at the time, began to take responsibilities for single countries. And so but, the but Lord said, be responsible. In they were in Poland already, but you didn't, you, you said that Poland was too religious. Is that right? Yeah, it, it, it just, it, 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 was a, it was a communist nation, but mm-hmm. it had the Catholic history. And so yeah. everybody that we worked alongside kind of had a Catholic overtone to it and, and it was just like i want to meet more and more atheists i yeah uh and so that's why so but that, that the, sounds very pauline you know uh he didn't want to build on somebody else's foundation kind of yeah thing, right so yeah. so you you wanted to go into atheistic societies and so now that that was your focus you, you think that that it sounds like that was a, a desire the lord put on your heart yeah it, it was matter of fact i would say my my calling verse i'll read it from from uh, Romans 15, but it says, you know, Paul is speaking, and, and he says, um, and thus I aspired to preach not where Christ was already named, so that mm-hmm. so as not to build upon another's foundation, but as it is written, those who had no news of him shall hear. Oh yeah, and those who have not heard shall understand. That's Romans 15:25. Yeah, for sure. I, I didn't know uh, that. And, and finally, in, in 85, we went to Hungary and it was like, bingo. Very first person I met had absolutely no knowledge of God. Second person I met had never even heard the name Jesus Christ before. And I, I was blown away by it. His name was Denyek. He was actually from Prague, uh, the son of a of homicide department director for Prague National Police. And... Uh, and I said, he, he goes, you keep mentioning the name Jesus. And I, he was at Lake Volaton in Hungary. And, and I go, yeah, I, I, he goes, who is that? And I, and I, and I, I go, well, and I started saying, he goes, wait a minute. You're talking about a person who's been dead for 2000 years. And then I, I go, well, he's, he's not, he's not really dead. And he's like, 
what? I, what are you talking? It was that <laughs> fresh. <laughs> wow. And I go to get him to get to latch into the importance of Jesus. I said, what year is it? And and he said, nine, this was 1986. He, he goes, uh, 1986. I go, but what does the AD stand for? He said, auto dominate. I, I go, what, is, what does that mean? And he goes, can't remember what the Latin is. I said, it means the year of our Lord. And and he goes, oh, he goes, yeah. Okay, so what? And I go, well, this this is the Lord they're talking about. Huh. This one came and he changed the calendars of all of our history. And he was blown away by it. Wow. He'd never and, heard of Jesus at all. Yeah, and he was 20 years old, university student. So Incredible. we were hooked. And we finally, that was 85, 86, summers. And we finally moved there in 89, uh, you know. 13 years after our call. So sometimes you, you're called and the Lord says, wait, wait, wait. And it was mm-hmm. really hard. But we kept going and going and we ended up raising our kids there. And, you know, all of our kids are grown adults. Now we have grandkids. But anyway, it was a great, it was unbelievable. We're so grateful to Jesus for calling us there. It was wonderful. That, that really is that's amazing. So you wanted to go there. You didn't want to build on somebody else's foundation, Dave. Um, did how did what is youth at the threshold of life, and how did that get worked into the mix as you're working over there, evangelizing, telling people about Jesus, someone they've never heard about who died, but he's not really dead anymore, and he kind of changed our calendar. How does youth at the threshold of life, which people? People are going to be shocked to find out what this is, what kind of curriculum this is, and how yeah. the Lord used it. But what is it, and how did that get involved in your plan? Well, let me let me give a little context. So from you know eighty one to I would say ninety three, everybody we talked to uh, was open to the gospel. There were no cultural attitudes that were any kind of a negative stigma against Christianity. They it wasn't didn't have a bad reputation. It just had no reputation. It wow. just was a part of their history. Okay. So whenever they met a university student that had some intelligence that did believe in God, they were they were so intrigued. Uh. So our evangelism approach we learned could be this fast. Have you ever met a, anybody from America? Well, I'm from America. Oh, can I practice my English? Uh, and we would talk. And I go, have you ever met anybody uh, that believed in God? Of course not. I go, well, I do. <laughs> and and I go, would you would you like to talk about it? And they said, absolutely. And the reason why they wanted to is because everybody has a sin nature and they wanted to do something that was illegal, mm. which was talk about God. <laughs> but if, That's if hilarious. Our, our gospel conversations would last four or five hours just over a good long cup of coffee and people would come to know Christ. But by 1993, to get to white youth at the threshold life story, um, that began to change. Uh, we we saw people's hearts harden. Um, you know, they they weren't as open anymore as the Western values of, you know, Playboy and drinking and sexually transmitted diseases came into the country and drugs and all this started to fill that void for a while. And right, so it made evangelism really. Really difficult because the Iron Curtain had fallen down at that point. Iron Curtain fell in eighty nine. Uh, in nineteen ninety, we came out of our cover. We we moved there with a a cover, but uh, yeah, we were allowed to have a visa even as a missionary, Christian missionary at that okay. point. But in ninety three, 
we began, 92, 93, we began to realize that God was telling us that that uh, you needed to pray or or you won't be able to bust through the bondage that's here now. Wow. In Mark chapter 9, uh, you read the story of Jesus coming off the Mount of Transfiguration with the three, and the nine are unable to cast a demon out of a little boy that that um, a father had brought. Jesus casts the demon, heal, heals the boy, and as they're walking away, the disciples say, why couldn't we do that? It was a good question because prior to that, they had successfully cast demons yeah. out. And, and, uh, and Jesus said this, and this is what grabbed us, like, um, well, uh, guys, this kind cannot come out except by, by prayer. And we felt like Jesus was telling the church, telling you and I even today through the living word that there is a kind of battle that cannot be won by normal means of ministry approach. You have to saturate it night and day Mm. with great extraordinary commitment to prayer. And so we started doing months of prayer. And after the second month of prayer, uh, we got a call by Dr. Von Hedgie Danish. At the time, the the head of the chief of immunology at St. Laszlo Kourhas and uh, in Budapest uh, Hospital. It's a hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he was recently at that time had been put in charge of the National AIDS Committee and was given a, you know, lots, billions, not billions, millions of dollar budget to eradicate sexually transmitted diseases and the HIV pandemic that had entered into the country since the fall of the the wall and the split and iron curtain, because they were seeing foreigners come into their country from 89 to 93 in droves. And, you know, sex industry went through the roof, sexually transmitted diseases, HIV, drugs, prostitution, and they were getting nervous. And when they read something that we had produced and they knew that we were on college campuses reaching young people, uh, we were called in, into their office and we were given the opportunity to come alongside them to write a sex education curriculum. I'll, I'll pause if you want to say something, but but that's how it started. I, I just I, think it's incredible because people oftentimes, they think about Western values and they 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 equate it with Christianity and they say, oh, there's Western imperialism, uh, Christianity, Christian, Christianity is so oppressive, this and that. But what actually happened is the Western values, quote unquote, that came in was all the, the, the pornography and the sexual licentiousness. That stuff is what came in. So, so, so it's almost like there's these two competing, quote unquote, Western value systems, which aren't there always, where on the one hand, there's all this sin coming in, but then here's these missionaries who are like, well, now, you know, there, there's another way. There's an alternative way. And, um, I'm marveling at the grace of God that saw, um, that, that, you know, placed it on his heart, uh, uh, Bon Hedgy, what was his name? Bon Hedgy, yeah. Bon Hedgy. Bon yeah, that yeah. said, you know what? We um we're not gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater. Not all Westerners are bad here. In fact, these these folks sound like they actually have a solution. And so so now he's he's coming to you, he's partnering with you. How did you have that in with him? Maybe I missed it. How no, did here's, you know here's how it happened? So after a month of prayer, uh uh one of my colleagues friends that you've already mentioned, Gabor Grace, mm-hmm. his mother had worked with Dr. Bonhedji as a nurse before 
Gabor was raising support as a missionary and 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 looking for ways to finance his ministry, his mother introduced him to Bonhenji Dana. She wrote him a, a letter, only through a letter. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm I'm looking for people to to this is what I do. Uh, and I'm looking for people that want to come alongside and I need a computer for the job that I do. Mm. Dr. Bonaji kind of missed the whole idea that this was a missionary asking for financial support. And he, he said he latched on the word looking for partners, Mm. ministry partners. Right. And, uh, so he calls Gabor and says, I'd like to have you come and I, Whoever you report to, I want him to come to my office too. And so we, 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 three of us go to the, the hospital and we discover this incredible open door that youth. Uh, so, um, the National AIDS Committee, uh, began the conversation by saying we need a values and character development program that's based in sex education because 13 year olds are uh, having illicit sex now and I'm and I'm my department is responsible for bringing everybody that has HIV all the way to their death and and we, we at that point they had 4,000 that had HIV and they didn't want it to grow anymore and right. they knew that passing condoms out in public schools was not the, the solution which they got from the West they got from sex education programs that were produced by schools in the United States. You mean they got they, the idea of passing out condoms? That was that was America's idea. That was the West. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they and well they they medically they they agreed that that would be better if people are going to have sex to have a condom on, but but they got this education material and the the they introduced it and the teachers that began to use it hated it. Hmm. I mean, they 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 uproared. They said this is not Hungarian at all. There might be this and that good about it, but we we reject this. And he was getting bad press for it, and and the pandemic was growing. So when he found out that we worked with young people, uh, he came to us. And I'm not speaking disparagingly at all, but but uh, when we met him, he said, "I said, why are you coming to us?" He said, "Well, we went to the Catholic Church and." Ask them to come alongside because they have money and resources. Yeah. And we and they said, we don't believe in sex education until a person's 18. And he laughed them out of the room. Hmm. And he, he said, I'm looking for someone who can talk about the very sensitive topics of sex uh, and 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 add values to it. And we go, we'll we'll come back in two weeks with a proposal. So. Over the next two weeks, we we wrote and and called India, America, uh, the groups in Africa that that we knew through the ministry and got all their best material from Josh McDowell to Valsan Thampu to Dick Day in Malawi. And and we started gathering and God gave us this idea of going after five directed behaviors, targeted behaviors. And we we made a, a presentation to his National AIDS Committee. This was from the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Health, and the National AIDS Committee. We were all together, Campus Crusade for Christ, missionaries, speaking in two languages, Hungarian and English, and saying, this is, this is our proposal. We pro- made a hour and 50-minute proposal with very little dialogue. I mean, they were stoic. They were like, I couldn't read them. Like, do they like what we're saying or not? And um, 
after an hour and a half, hour and about 20 minutes, do, uh, Dr. Bonhedge got a call and he had to leave. And he and when he left, I I, I said to the, the, the team of his team there, I go, hey, you guys, I can't tell. You guys aren't asking any questions. Dr. Bonhedge is not. And they said, oh, he loves what you're talking about. <laughs> and I go, what, what makes you so sure? And he, he said, you would have been gone in 10 minutes if oh, you didn't man. like what you were doing. So we were encouraged and we finished our presentation. And the bottom line is, after we made a presentation, he stuck his hand over a coffee table and said, we're partners, here's $35,000, go write the curriculum. But the, the, the gist of our presentation was, at the very end, we said, uh, this is how you, you know, reach a young person and and this is uh, how you tie sex into values and character and we we said it would be really important to tie these five targeted behaviors back to Hungary's best moral traditions god gave us this phrase and we said we don't want to introduce new moral traditions to hungary you're a great 1000 year old plus society mm-hmm. and uh before you were communist atheist nihilistic Darwinian, uh, you were Judeo-Christian, and so we want to reintroduce Judeo-Christian values and the importance of the ethics taught by Jesus and the relevance of relationship with him. This was the phrase, Amazing. and we just let it fall, and we just paused, and he goes, great, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> we were blown away, and so they gave us this money, and he went off promoting, oh, and the lat the the after he said, great, we said, and there's one more thing. It's not going to be an educational program. He, he goes, well, that's what we need. That's what we want. What are you talking about? You've been talking about an educational program. Yeah. No, it's not going to be an education. It's going to be a movement. And they were like perked up. Mm-hmm. And, and we go, and it's going to be called Fiat That's the Hungarian word for youth at the threshold of life. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, yes, we're, this is, the youth are going to be prepared for adulthood. They're going to learn how to make friends, emotional intelligence, values, and character, and be saved from this. And, of course, ours was a monogamous uh, um, abstinence-based program. Uh, otherwise, I would have been fired from my job and mm-hmm. denied my Christianity, my, my values anyway. And, uh, and so we went off to the races. He, wow. he started promoting it on the radio and television and to doctor's conferences. We were invited to National AIDS Day conferences. I was the only foreigner who spoke at it out of 85 presenters. And it was just, just bizarre. We had, we were invited to balls where 4,000 guests were coming in, you know, tuxedos and really nice gown dresses. And it was a fundraiser for AIDS and, and we were given a booth and just there on one floor of the Hungarian castle, there was lingerie, show you know hardly any clothes on and there was vodka and free nokia phones and great jazz music over here and and then here we were campus crusade having an exhibit and he was opening all these doors for us well Amazing. this was getting out in the crew world and and dr bright from from camp from crew yeah the founder called said hey i i I, uh, I'd like to send a team over and analyze what you're doing. I go, please do, Dr. Bright. I, 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 I don't want to get fired, but I, I promise we haven't. We're, we're, the gospel's in the curriculum. We're writing it right now. It's really wonderful. Well, oh, don't we worry. Because just, just, just to be clear, you're, you're writing this 
you've got the curriculum, you're presenting it as a movement, you're, they asked for something values based, and you connected it to their historic values, which is Christianity, uh, yep. frankly speaking. And so you're still you've never taken off your evangelist hat or your missionary hat here. Nope. You're literally doing this as an evangelist to you. You're you're providing there's there's no duplicity here because you are providing exactly what they asked for and you're doing it exactly as the Lord has called you to work. This is a gospel based gospel centered movement. Correct. So I just I want to I want to remind everybody of that. This isn't like a bait and switch. It's the gospel is ingrained into the, the curriculum, into the movement. And you've never stopped functioning as a missionary. Correct. Right. But one caveat. So we. You know, you, you uh, when we were talking before the, the podcast, you asked me, you know, what were some of the toughest obstacles? Yeah, I want to get to that next. Yeah. And, and the, the toughest obstacle was, was our own, just the struggles of how to be faithful to the gospel mm. and meet the needs that the government were trying to meet. They, they were like saying, if this curbs HIV pandemic and kids wait to have sex, you say till marriage, but if they just wait to have sex, that's good enough for us. This is what they're saying. And so we wanted to meet that need and be true to, well, the curriculum is going to say wait till marriage and, and they go fine. We discovered that there were really good people that were atheists that were very concerned for the first three generations of non-communists in Hungary in 45 years that they get off to a good start. And here they are hammered by drugs, sex addictions uh, and HIV. So they were like willing to work with us. And so we had to go through this transformation. How do you do this? It was not easy, bro. I mean, it was, we were really struggled with how to do it. And, and I'd love to share some of those struggles, but one was, you know, this is not the norm of crew. This is not the norm of an evangelical approach. What will the church think of us? Right. Uh, the first parachurch organization, you know, in their history to be out there doing stuff like this. What right. would Bill Bright say? I mean, we, we had a lot, of, a lot of struggles. So what did Bill Bright say? He sent the team over. Was that was the team to learn from what you guys were doing and bring it back? Or was it? to make sure that you guys are still on cruise mission or, or was it, it, both? it was both. It was both. And I would add uh, a third was whether or not they fire me or not, you know? <laughs> oh, so, so man. it was, it, and I wasn't concerned about it. I, I mean, deeply because we knew we were being true to the gospel. Right. And uh, so Bailey Marks senior, the international vice president of crew came over uh, and, and we introduced him to Dr. Bright at that point. Um, I had already shared Christ with Dr. Von Hedge, Gabor had, still not a believer. Bailey shares Christ with him, doesn't come to Christ, but he just still loves working with us because we're the only normal people he knows, he says, <laughs> in those terms all the time. And uh, over the course of the week, we introduced uh, our crew supervisor, you know, our, our international vice president to leader after leader after leader in the most influential arena of almost any society which is education and government and and the government was going and education was going and opening the door for us and never telling us what to do just if you deliver on the five targeted behaviors 
we're, we're going to credit this curriculum, which they did. But, but we did not make the curriculum a Sunday school class. It's not like going to a Christian camp. It, we had to learn the educational system and season the, the curriculum with the salt of the gospel, Proverbs, stories, par- parables. Here's a clear gospel presentation from the Jesus film. They said, why do you want to use the Jesus film? Well, because it, it shows the relevance of relationship with Christ. Remember we said that was in the term? Yes. Okay. And we need to interact. We need to teach your teachers, which you said, don't know what they're doing mm. uh, with sensitive topics like sex. And, and they need to learn interactive methods. Jesus right. is the model of interaction for this. And so we, God gave us some smarts. The team came together yeah. to, to, you know, help us really you know, write it well. We ended up writing the curriculum in a way and said, and you know, I can show you that this is the uh, this is the eighth edition. It's in three different volumes, but it's gone all over the world now. Incredible. Now in the United States of America for the first time we're we're translating it into English. It'll be ready by the fall. Oh wow. And well, maybe by Christmas. And we really believe there's a place for it in the United States now, especially with youth development in urban places. And wow. yeah, I, I kind of lost where I was, but you know, we had to we had to really play it smart. So in the curriculum, there's places where it says the following section um, is introduces a Judeo Christian ethic. If if you're if you're uncomfortable with teaching it, skip to page whatever, and mm. the flow is uninterrupted. We taught they when we trained the teachers, we've trained eight thousand five hundred teachers in this. Mm. And we when they get to this part of the training, they're like, that is so good of you to do. Seventy percent of those who've been trained are atheists, eighty percent of them teach the whole curriculum. Eighty percent of the atheists or eighty percent of really the atheists. Because it, wow. it's like it makes sense. These guys are we, we call it a, a catalysis model. I, I don't mean to introduce this concept to you, but I did print this out. I want to show this to your sure. viewers. So just keep this little picture in mind. Okay. Get that banner off the screen there. Here we go. Um, okay. So the church rarely goes to the world, you know, where they live, work, learn, and play. And the world almost never goes to the church. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it in terms of catalysis, where catalysis increases uh, the the process of two chemicals coming together, and if you introduce a catalyst, a catalytic cracker, say in the production of for rubber, where oils underneath the the, and minerals and water interact slowly over time, in about a hundred years, it'll produce rubber. But if you introduce a catalyst to it, that fits in bringing those two together faster. It cranks out uh, rubber in in an hour, and so we think of YTL as a catalyst. It 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 brought the church and the world together, and now they're they're. It's not like an invitation to church is a catalyst. Maybe they come. Maybe they read a book by C.S. Lewis. Maybe they listen to your podcast for an hour. And then they go away. This this podcast might be a catalyst where you're bringing the world and the church, the gospel together. YTL keeps people in a classroom for a year. It's a catalyst that's like 
they are not going away. Hmm. And the teachers like have used our curriculum for 26 years now. And, and it just has increased. And so many people have come to Christ. Youth groups started, churches have been planted. Um, so it's, you know, it's a miracle of God. But what we had to do was we had to go through this birth process where, where this, this, this started really with this question, can you help me? Hmm. And, and, and it's like, with what? Sex education. We could have gone, no, we don't do that. Right. And, and, uh, and but we kept listening and they go, oh, we had to think, no, we meet needs. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Of, of all the questions that Jesus was asked in the New Testament, you read the Gospels, is what was he asked? He was asked that question more than, more often than any other. Can you help me? Hmm. And he always said yes. Wow. So, so you're, you're meeting practical needs. So that's Christ like, right? Because, um, you know, uh, master, my servant is sick. Master, my, my child is sick. Um, yeah, they would come to him. Sometimes they just, uh, reached out and, and touched him. <laughs> and, 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 and what Matthew said, will you come and have dinner with us, a group of sinners? And he said, yes. Yes. Right. Right. And, and what Jesus did and the way Jesus did it, he never compromised. He didn't go, people say all the time, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, absolutely. But he called sin, sin every time. Absolutely. Jesus, Jesus never uh, blurred the line between righteousness and sin because uh, that would be against his mission. And Unloved. Yeah, it would be unloving. That's right, because sin ensnares and enslaves. And Jesus came to defeat the works of Satan and to set people free. And if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. So um, what I'd like to do, just um, in the interest of time, maybe yeah. we could get right to this the need for innovation. And one of the things that, um, that I, I want to talk about quite a bit on our show, and I think we do talk about fairly often, is the idea that at this point in history, in our culture, in our society, we are we are at a moment where Christians need to innovate if we're going to pursue the Great Commission. I think, you know, Lord willing, this program is uh, is is expressive of that desire to do that. We want we want to be innovative. We want to be answering the questions that people are asking, but that aren't being answered anywhere else. So Dave, could you tell us about the need to innovate? How do you, where do you see that need? And what would be some principles for believers right now who are like, okay, fine. I, I want to innovate. How do I do that? You know, what are some practical steps to get started with that innovation process? Really great question. Uh, um, I would start with the principle that, um, that we all have to buy into to evangelism in the first place. So if you want to get the gospel out instead of hunker down into your, and I'm not, I'm not attacking anything here, but just hunker down into your suburban church and, and never say hello to anybody for the rest of your life. As Christianity continues to shrink across America, uh, then innovation is not going to be a real thrilling topic for you. But, but, um, but, but when you, when you think about why we fear evangelism or why we fear contacting or we feel awkward, it's because we've lost, I think, the, the understanding of who we're really talking about or who we're really talking to. And Jesus shows us 
And the word of God shows us that everyone, here's first principle, is on a spiritual journey. And they can't help it. They were created as a spiritual being. Uh, God, the creator is spiritual, and he created them uh, with a need for him. So everyone's on a spiritual journey. The second principle is that God's already at work in their life on that journey. Uh, now, some people are stuck. Some people are moving away from God. Some people are making toward, toward God. But you can go into that journey with them as a co-journer, knowing that God's already at work in their spiritual journey. And then the third and final principle of a co-journer, we call it, is that God wants to use us in that journey. So you have to have that. Okay, I believe in these three principles. Everyone's on a spiritual journey. God's at work and God wants to use me, period. Um, then you can get creative. If you break out of the, the obstacle of, of uh, old Judeo-Christian strategies that don't seem to work that well right now, and you also don't want to compromise the gospel, we introduce the idea of this, that um, it's, a, it's more about moments than events. And we need to remember that, that nobody who follow, who, everybody who doesn't follow Jesus, our message is neither relevant uh, or authentic to them. It's, it's like, we, we need to get over that. It's like, yep, that makes sense. It's not relevant to them. They, they don't know what we're talking about. So we have to come alongside believing they're still on a journey and God wants to use us and God's already at work. And what we're bringing increasingly is there's no biblical literacy for it. Right. There's no grandparents around that went to church. There, the, America has changed. Just two summers ago, we were with an African-American 20-year-old and a, 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 a Caucasian 21-year-old that goes to the University of Missouri at Kansas City, never been to church before. And they were raised in Kansas City, never been to church before. Wow. And uh, and the, the white guy turns right at the beginning of the service. He goes, you guys are going to sing? You guys <laughs> sing? He didn't even know churches. To, this is this is the new America. Wow. So the need for innovation is incredible. Now, let me try to answer your question. Um, the the uh, where I go is, to be honest, is is felt needs. It's it's like, how do I build a bridge from where they are? To where I want it, where they need to go, mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't it doesn't create a, a a motivation problem for me. It's not an ulterior motive. It's just it's just my ultimate desire. I want to introduce them to Christ. It's not an ulterior motive. They're they're created in the Imago Day like I am. That they still have a meaningful life. It's their image of God that God created in them is marred just like mine is and was through sin, but still meaningful. Right. They still pursue peace over anxiety. They want to live responsible lives. They they hold onto their values and, and possess, uh, values in a precious way. It come from somewhere. I have to show respect and 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 uh, try to lean in and understand that. So um, when I was raising my kids, uh, they're 38, 36, and 32 now, we, Karen and I were trying to teach them our philosophy of evangelism, and we would introduce to them rock music or great music that I liked or some movies and, and say, why is the artist trying to say it this way or what does it mean? And, 
And, and we, would, we were teaching them to listen to what the wounds of the heart were and what the longings of the heart were and why are those wounds unhealed and why are those uh, longings unsatisfied. And they're always spoken of through the arts, through painting, poetry, classic literature, movies, music. Right. And, and in that way, we started to build bridges for them into being able to relate to friends and society and, and then say, maybe the reason why the story is told over and over again in a number of ways is because it has to be completed in Christ. Hmm. And this is why we need to learn how to share the gospel with them and bring them to the parables, the hyperbole, the art, the illustration, the creative ways that Jesus communicated through story and parables and all that and direct didactic teaching as well. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm answering your question, but there's a, there's a big need for innovation. Yeah. And I don't think we need to be afraid of it. It's just, we got to get out of our, um, we got to get out of our, you know, what we, we say in our, in our, uh, ministry out of our greenhouse and get into the wild fields. Most churches um, are like greenhouses today and, and that there's nothing wrong with a greenhouse. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a great place to raise plants and flowers, but it's a really controlled environment. Uh, it, for a church, it means, you know, the emotional, spiritual and social cues are, we all know what the rhythms are. Right. You know, we know what we do on Wednesday night at a men's retreat, what a Sunday school class is, what a podcast is, whatever. Yeah. But, but, but increasingly the world that we live in is nothing like a greenhouse. It's more like a wild field where it's chaotic and there's wildlife and rain and, you know, snow and earthquakes. And, and when you, Re try to repot from a greenhouse to a walled field, you lose. We're seeing that. If it I could just interject here real quick, Dave, uh, for the, for listeners who aren't sure what a walled field is, uh, that's that's a wild field for uh, for non Oklahomans. <laughs> because sorry. yeah, walled so is wild. That's so, sorry, Dave. I'm, no, no, I'm I, hearing... I, I I should have heard that. No, no, no. I, I mean, it, it's it, all of our Oklahoma listeners are like, yeah, what? He, that's what he said. Yeah, he didn't, he said wild it right. Yeah. But so, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, um, but, but you can't get innovative unless you know what's out there. That's it. You, you yes, just can't. Right, right, right. You don't know what questions they're asking because right. you're not talking to anybody. You're, you're, you're asking them to listen to you and you don't even know that their right. backs are turned. Right. That's right. And so, you know, you, you, you really see that with YTL, Youth at the Threshold of Life, the, the answer, you knew the answer, it, the deepest answer that they needed for life was the gospel. That, that does not change. Mm -hmm. And believers run into all kinds Never. of problems when we try to change the answer. But the question is always different. And so the gospel needs to be applied to whatever the, the, the question is. And that's not, I like how you said, that's not an ulterior motive because the answer really is the gospel. And the f fact of the matter is, I don't know if it was you, Dave, if I heard someone else say this, it's not an ulterior motive, but it is an ultimate motive. Was that, was that's that you? Did I, yeah. 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 It's our ultimate desire. It's our ultimate desire. We want to see people come, come to Jesus, to, come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That yeah. is what's going to, if we meet every other one of their felt 
needs, their material needs, their social and emotional and spiritual needs, but we leave out the gospel of Jesus Christ, what they're going to be separated from God and they're going to have nothing but wrath. The, the real source of everything they're looking for is Jesus. Yes. So they want well-being, but right. you can't have well-being without a relationship with God. Right. So let's, let's okay, let's, let's go after, you know, like, let's use their, their desire for well-being and peace and meaning and purpose as a bridge. Well, what we used uh, YTL for is like, please help us uh, get rid of AIDS in Hungary. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I want that. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or even in downtown Kansas City, third grade reading levels. It's like um, if a child is learning to read till third grade and, le- and reads to learn after third grade, then they better learn how to read by third grade. And, the, and many of them are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as a grandfather, easily could weep over that, yeah. that God has to have a vision for children learning to read. So why can't evangelicals just embrace that and say, let's help them learn how to read yeah. and share the gospel with those relationships as we, we do. Yeah. So with YTL, we went this way. And soon after the Bulgarian war college presidents or generals or whatever came to Hungary and they go, we have a suicide problem in our, in our army among 18 to 20 year olds. Can we put this in the psychological care department? And they, they go, you know, help us read uh, suicide from the army. We said, sure. Wow. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll write a contract with you for you to, to do whitetail that way. And, mm. you know, it just, it just went haywire after that. And Jesus. it's it's really some of the funnest evangelism I've ever done. Yeah. Jesus, my son is sick. Jesus, my servant is sick. Jesus, my little daughter died. Jesus, your friend Lazarus has just died. Jesus, help us, help us, help us. And then here comes Jesus's people with the gospel, with meeting the practical needs, not that's it. Not a bait and switch, but inculcating the gospel, incorporating the gospel into it. Um, Dave, we, we've got a few questions that have come in, but really quick, if we could, if we could, I want to leave our listeners with with this nugget. As things now, I'm not a prognosticator. Uh, I, my my predictions may or may not come true, but reading the culture as it stands right now and the way things are headed, it seems like things could be potentially getting harder. You look at Canada, you've got pastors getting put in in, uh, in jail. Uh, praise the Lord, James Coates was just um, released. But it sure does seem like in the West, things, at least in, in North America, things could very well be getting harder. How can we get smarter? How how can we, um, is there one practical step Christians can do right now to get smarter, to get more innovative, or is it merely a matter of applying those principles that you just talked about? Yeah, briefly where my mind mind goes is is um, what my friend Henry Tan just told me this week is the, 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 three, uh, the three GCs. It's like great commandments, great commission, and growing growing communities. We have to show obedient faith to the only one that we follow and to the only kingdom that we seek first, which is the only kingdom we truly belong to, although we're dual citizens of the countries we live in, from the ethnicity that we come from, 
we we realized that Jesus made us followers, kingdom citizens, and therefore aliens mm. on this planet. But right. while we're here, we're to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're also to love others as ourselves, love our neighbor. And that includes loving the lost. Yeah. Um, and the Great Commission will will flow right into that because God's love is the, the Lord of the harvest. Uh, the missionary God is sending us on a commission to go after um, teaching others to, to follow Christ and then and then grow growing communities, churches. But not everybody's going to respond well. And, and, it, and it does get hard, but it doesn't mean we ever give up. Right. Uh, I'm, I've lived under communism. Um, I've, I've ministered under communism. And I'm telling you, the church grew like crazy. Uh, uh, and it was hard. It was hard. I don't, I don't want that anywhere uh, I go. But at the same time, um, you know, Jesus promised two things. Uh, tribulation, mm-hmm. John 16, 33, and to not fear because he's overcome everywhere we go. Yeah. And so I'm not too worried about this, and, but uh, the but it is hard. I would say America is the hardest soil I've ever I've ever been on. Actually, is that right? Yeah, it's harder than, and, I, and for all my friends in in the Czech Republic, please forgive me, but but it's harder than Prague. In in Eastern Europe, we were I was the area campus director for spanned twenty nations, so from Vladivostok, Russia, all the way, you know west to St. Petersburg, down to Tirana or further in Albania. And, you know, Albania had great soil and people coming across still mm-hmm. does. Romania, Hungary, Ukraine, but boy, Czech Republic, so hard. Hmm. And I would say America's that way now. That is and shocking. No, it's it's the truth. And <laughs> It's shocking. And, and man, Dave, I don't know about you. Well, I, I think I do know about you. It makes me want to go slap every Christian in the face and say, wake up, man. We've got, like, we have Jesus. Jesus has the words of, of eternal life. Okay. If, if God is going to surrender, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to preach here, but I don't know if I can resist. No, no. If God's got, if God's plan for America is ultimately to just surrender us over Romans one style and, and give us up, you know, Pharaoh style. Oh, oh, oh that's already happened. That, yes. Go okay. Ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but God I'm saying judged America a long time ago. I think he's judging the church right now. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And, and God letting us go because you hear so many people say, Oh, what we're experiencing in America is not persecution, you know, this and that. Okay, fine. But what about the wrath of God that lets us have what we want? Where we don't, where the church doesn't even need to be persecuted because we silence ourselves, you know, where we self, um, self moderate to the extent where we're not even getting the message out. And it's like, look, what, what do you have? Moses says we have 70 years on this planet, maybe 80 by reason of strength. That's not a long time. Me, I'm pushing 40. I'm about halfway there. And I don't have a lot of time. Someday I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to, I'm going to have to give an account for what I did with this message he gave me. Did I invest his talents? And I know we have non-believers watching this program. I know that. And we've got some, we've, we've got some believers who watch this, this show for spite, quite honestly, to catch me saying something wrong. But what about those believers 
who are watching this, who are listening to this right now, who are like, like wanting to get engaged. Can, can we just agree that Jesus sent us out and commissioned us and yeah. gave us the gospel? Can we just start there and realize that our neighbor is going to go to hell for all eternity if we don't, if we don't get them the gospel? And yes, I'm a Calvinist. I believe God is sovereign, but God's also going to hold me account, hold me to account for how, for whether I, whether I got the message out. And don't we believe God uses means? Second Timothy 2.10 for all you Calvinists out there. Paul, Paul was Paul was too, and he he said, "I I endure all things for the the sake of the elect." Amen. That's so right. they may obtain salvation. Amen. That's right. That's right. And Second Timothy two twenty four and twenty five. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. God grants it, but He uses our preaching. He uses our proclamation. Big time. So, Amen. Are you good to take a couple of comments? Absolutely, please. Okay. By the way, I like okay. how you said I like how you said Paul was a Calvinist too. That's good. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry to all my Arminian friends. I, that's right. I I still love you big time. I know you love me. Amen. All right. Uh, <laughs> Noah Despain, he just he just commented this. He said, now this is early on. He said, What is discipleship if not the gospel persevering? And Amen. Yeah, it's it's rhetorical, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right, Noah. Yeah, discipleship um, is is in Colossians one twenty eight and twenty nine. Paul says, "I, I, uh, well, I, I used to have it memorized. I, I teach every man. I admonish every man that I might present every man and woman complete in Christ." And I, and I think that the one reference. Let me read it. Um, is really evangelism in, in focus. And the other one is once they've come to Christ, you 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 disciple them. He says, um, we proclaim him admonishing every man. So I think that's evangelism and teaching every man. That's following them up and getting them plugged in to live like Christ and become like Christ so they can be so that every man can be complete in Christ for this purpose I'll ever labor, striving according with according to his power, which mightily works in me. Yeah. 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 Amen. All right. Um, no, well, that was quick. Uh, yeah, I got, I looked up the text real fast and, and I didn't. That was quick. You're sharp. Yeah. You're well, good. You're, uh, a pro, you're profi in Hungarian. Not, none is good. Save God alone. But, uh, but, but thank you. <laughs> Amen. I've got a, I've got a, yeah. And I, I got uh, that response one time. I was. Noah's I was, asking for the chart. Yeah, he was asking about the the chart. Um, for those of you who are listening and can't see the video right now, um, Dave put up this really helpful chart that shows how the church and the world rarely intersect. But in the middle, it, it's a Venn diagram, and in the middle, it's it's filled in, and it says YTL, meaning that's where Youth at the Threshold of Life was meant to. Um, to thrive, Dave, is that chart available somewhere? I, I can I can make it available to you, and you can uh, put it on. But 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 can I just say one more thing about that? Please. There are there are other catalysts that you know. If these are the two circles that intersect, you do this all the time, right? You give a person a book, you invite them to church, whatever. It's just that the the more they interact for the longer period of time, the better. Yeah. Uh, so that something new can be produced. Like 
rubber is produced from petroleum, mineral, and water interacting. Mm-hmm. You know, as the church and the world interact, new Christians are, pop out of that. And yeah. the catalyst doesn't change at all. It's just, it's just there, the event, the YTL, whatever. But, um, but I would say um, one thing I'm glad I remembered is that when we first analyzed what is YTL? I mean, what is this? Because some a- some atheist teachers are going to use it and and never share the gospel. And we're like, that's okay. It's a catalyst. It, we delivered on the need that the world had and brought the whole gospel to it. Mm. So for some, it was a door that that interacting door into a new life. For others, it was just a window. They peered in and they walked out. Yeah. So anyway, that's quick thought on that. Yeah, well, one sows, the other waters, but it's got to be God who brings the increase. Yeah, and not every soil is good. That's so right. That's right. Yeah, great point. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, I'll tell you what, Noah, if you want that chart, why don't you go ahead and send it to me? And anyone else listening can send your inquiries to thethink.institute at gmail.com. Thethink.institute at gmail.com. And I will pass that along to you as Dave sends it to me because, um, you know, that might be helpful for you. And and, and for, for people out there that want to know how they can partner with us, just you can go to churchmovements.com, which is our our ministries webpage but when it comes to youth at the threshold of life if you went to the the url is ytl.academy it's a brand new webpage that we're just now constructing because the one in hungarian we don't use in america and uh and and soon all these resources will be up there it's just be looking for that yes absolutely um and then we have a facebook page too ytl global Okay, Facebook dot com slash YTL Global. Okay, wonderful. Uh, someone on Facebook mentioned Paul Gould, Paul Gould's cultural apologetics. Now, I think this is back when you were talking about how art tells the um, uh, the, the the heart needs of a culture. And um, I think the same user said that art is the barometer of what's going on in culture, and that's a that's a quote from Nancy Piercy. Um, have you ever heard of uh, of uh, Paul Gould's cultural apologetics at all? Nope. Okay, I actually had him on the show. He's he is sort of a mentor to my brother, and I had him on. He's a philosopher, and um, uh, he's probably it's a good in book. the vein. He's probably in the vein of the one who got me into cultural and historical and philosophical apologetics, which was Francis Schaeffer. So. Yeah, Francis Schaeffer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, art, read art everything he ever wrote. Yeah, yeah. I I, I recommend it absolutely. That's uh, yeah. art and the Bible, right? Is that the one that's well? Francis Schaeffer's uh, is like the God. He is there and is not silent. Right, right. Sure. The trilogy that he has, but he's got. How should we then live? You know, mm-hmm. there's so many. Yeah, so many. But but and and you can go to. Uh, a little bit on the the wounds and the longing of the soul. You could actually go. There's two web pages. One that's being reconstructed right now called storyofthesoul.org, mm. or you can go to I think it's Jesus Film Project slash Strategies and Tools, 
And I'll even just show you that story of the soul is a is a an evangelistic out, outreach that we use for a, a, a viral coffee house or an in-person coffee house, and it uses art to bridge to the gospel in a in an hour and fifteen minute kind of programmatic way. Yes, that's really good. We just did one called "I'm Here, Do You See Me," uh, and we used you know Billie Eilish a poem, and mm. we used a lot of things. And the guy who shared the gospel. Three people came to Christ. It was incredible. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. 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 I um I had a dream actually a few years back that I was hosting something called Apologetics Cafe. And it was this really cool coffee house with live music and performances and uh and and people up sharing the gospel and and it was something and that was before I, I think it was before I found out about Story of the Soul. But then when I learned about Story of the Soul, I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's the dream. So yeah, and if there's anybody out there that wants to rebuild that web page for us, um, let 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 me know at Dave Robinson at crew.org. Okay, because we're point. trying to hire internally within crew, but um, if we have a little bit of a budget to help somebody, we've got all the content and we've just taken this down, but but it's but it's still ours and we just needed to update it and we're in the process of doing that. Yes. Yeah, very cool. Um, by the way, I just found out that the Facebook user who mentioned about Nancy Piercy and cultural apologetics, uh, that's our friend, Michael Jahoski. Michael Jahoski wrote this great book on, um, Lord of the Rings and, mm. uh, and, and finding the, the cultural, um, or the, the Christian threads in Lord of the Rings. Cool. We actually had him on the show. Very, cool. very cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, okay, last question. Noah Despain asks, I don't know if you're familiar with missional communities, uh, if, if, if you're familiar with what those are, but I think that that chart would be good for missional communities purpose statement. Have you, are you familiar with missional communities? That's something that we used to do at my old church. Are you familiar with that? By the phrase we use all the time, but I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. We use faith and missional communities all the time for referring to the uh, church multiplication movement. Okay. Well, Noah, maybe you could clarify what you mean by missional communities. Yeah, that's right, because that's probably a pretty common phrase now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a it's a good one. Sure is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, Dave, man, this has been just great. It's been great connecting with you again. And um, I'm wondering if people want to follow your work. You already shared your email address. I can put that back up. But how could people keep in touch with you, follow your work, partner with you prayerfully, financially? Yeah. Well, you know, partnerships just start a conversation. Uh, we we can start it on the phone or Zoom. But um, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm, I, you know, I, I put my uh, email out there. But I, whenever you contact me, I'll, I'll always ask a person and my executive assistant to help find a time. So don't be put off by that. But um, but yeah, let's get on get on a call. But start a conversation and and see where it goes. Uh, we constantly are are want, wanting to you know partner with the body of Christ to get after the 160 million lost in our country. We believe that we need to come alongside other church planting partners to for, you know plan about 160 thousand new churches in America, and and uh, we're excited to partner the the 
you could go again to churchmovements.com to find out more uh, uh, about us. But but uh, to you can follow. Oh, you could read you could read the book that we Gobbler and I wrote called The Outrageous Promise. Uh, it's not really. I mean, you can get it on Amazon.com, but it's not something that we sell. We ask for donations to, to go toward evangelism discipleship ministries. We we're, we're not making a profit on it. But if you wanted to write and order a hard copy of that book, we'd be happy to, to send it to you um, and tell you how you can do that. And what's the title of that book again, Dave? It's called The Outrageous Promise. Yes. Yeah, I, I read that a couple of years ago, and uh, it's it's good. I recommend it. Um, and I'm not just saying that because Dave is my boss. Okay. It's actually, it's a, it really is a, a very, yeah. cool, and, uh, I don't know. No, I no, might be saying it. It's, it's very good. It's very good. Um, and, and we, man, we need, we need Christians to get motivated. We need Christians to, to take the, to take the great commission seriously because man, how many warnings does the Lord Jesus give? in um you know to the seven churches in the first three chapters of revelation and he says uh which church is it that he says return to the works you did at first and uh and return to your first love man my friends we we need to be passionate and serious and innovative about pursuing the great commission god might not give us the results that we want that's it's up to him we just have to be faithful and totally right right and that's right. In fact, and the just is, bring your your meager two loaves and, right. and five fish. Yeah, or maybe it was the other way around. But but just bring them, yep. and he'll he'll take them to uh, he'll he'll bless them and yes. and feed the five thousand and use you in ways you never would have dreamed of. Yes, uh, and it doesn't have to be big. I I always like to to share this in First Corinthians one twenty seven through thirty one. Paul. Is writing and he he says that the Lord chooses and he uses the word choose three times. He chooses the weak to confound those who think themselves strong. He chooses uh, the foolish to to shame those who think themselves wise, and he chooses the average to to kind of mock or come against those who think they're born in some kind of nobility. And so, if 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 he chooses that, and here's my question to all of you out there: is like, have you ever felt foolish? Have you ever felt weak? Have you ever felt weak? Have you ever felt average? You're just the kind of person he's looking for. Amen. I mean, literally. <laughs> and he loves to pour his grace into stupid but humble people. Amen. And I swear that I that's that's my story. I you know, we weren't smart enough to do any of this stuff. Yeah. We were just praying and united as a team and just trying to figure this out together. Locking arms and growing old together. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, my thanks again to our guest today, Dave Robinson. And um, man, always, always a pleasure. Uh, I hope you learned something today. I know I did. If you did, go ahead, give this video a like. And well, hey, why not share it with a friend if you think it'd be helpful to um, a, a a friend of yours who You'd like to see that fire getting lit under their rear end when it comes to evangelism and and pursuing the uh, the Great Commission. And you know what? I think we talked about the gospel in this episode, so why not share it with a non-believing friend as well? And um, if you're not going to share the video, hey, why not tell your friend the gospel? Now, um, go ahead and you can partner with the Think Institute 
prayerfully and financially. We are support raising missionaries through Crew Campus Crusade, and um, you can partner with us by going to give dot crew c r u dot org give dot crew dot org slash one zero one eight eight four one we are so grateful to our prayer and financial partners uh some of which have partnered with us through interacting with us via this channel and so uh we are very very grateful to you if you find this helpful please consider doing that and um you can follow us on all the social medias we've got facebook we're on facebook the think institute on facebook we're on twitter at Think Inst. We're on Gab, Think Institute, MeWe, Think Institute. We are even on the YouVersion Bible app. If you search for Think Institute on the YouVersion Bible app, you'll get notes, highlights, uh, verse images, things like that. And, um, and you can follow us on there. Send any inquiries or comments to thethink.institute at gmail.com. I try to respond to Everyone who reaches out, but you know what? We get a lot of people reaching out through Facebook Messenger. That's all well and good, but I can guarantee you it'll be uh, it'll be more reliable if you reach out to the uh, the email. They'll think that institute at gmail dot com. All right, that's about all we have for you today. I sure hope you heard something helpful. I know I certainly did. Remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. If you haven't done so, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are pushing hard to get to 1,000 subscribers. We're well on our way, about three quarters of the way there, and I appreciate all of you subscribers. We're looking for more subscribers to get the word out about um, equipping believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. So that's about all we have for you today. Until next time, I hope it made you think. 